whenever there's a large loss and you're going to get insurance proceeds. You might be excited and looking for the upside in this situation, but there's not a substantial upside almost ever. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We don't get into the fluff, and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and a whole bunch of others. Today, we're going to be talking about a specific topic, very specific. In fact, I hope you're having a wonderful weekend because it is Sunday. We're going to be talking about a specific skill that once you acquire this skill, you're going to be better off. And the skill we're going to be talking about is when... Mother Nature hits your property. What do you do if there's damage or tornado, a hurricane, if there is a fire? What do we do in terms of determining if we should rebuild or if we should get the cash from the insurance and not rebuild? And this scenario, a fire specifically, happened with one of my company's properties. So I thought it would be best, and actually one of my investors, <laughs> he emailed me, and he said, you know what, I'd love for you and Frank, my business partner, to talk about this in detail. And so I was like, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to bring on my business partner, Frank, who I've partnered with on all my deals except for my very first one, and to have a conversation about this. So that being said, let me first say hi. How you doing? Frank Rossler. Hey. Joe, hey everyone! Thank you very much for having me today. I appreciate it. All right. Well, a little bit about Frank. He is the co-founder with me of Ashcroft Capital, which to date controls about seventy-seven million dollars worth of real estate based on purchase price. The value of it's probably closer to a hundred million dollars. Prior to Ashcroft Capital and founding it with me, he oversaw the acquisition of over two hundred fifty million dollars worth of multifamily properties. Very familiar with cap rates and local economic markets because he was in a dozen or so metropolitan markets acquiring those properties. He also was an asset manager of over $450 million worth of properties across eight states. So has a background in both acquiring as well as effectively managing the properties. And I'm sure this scenario has come up multiple times, but this is the first time it came up with us together 
and we wanted to talk through it. So we have a specific example that we're going to talk through, but I think we're going to go a little bit higher level because it's less about the specific story. It's more about just how do you approach it. But before we get into that, Frank, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus right now? Yeah. Thanks again, Joe. It's exciting to be on the show. So I have been in multifamily for about a decade now. It's all been on the institutional side. So I didn't kind of come up, so to speak, from buying a bunch of duplexes and learning it on my own. I got my MBA from UCLA, really loved finance. I loved real estate and I liked stable multifamily. Don't know why, but I was really drawn to it. So got my career started at a smaller group that grew tremendously while I was there. I was there about seven and a half years. And I started off as an intern there. I was on the acquisition side for about three and a half years. They're small guys with access to a lot of money and they're really sophisticated buyers. So I got to learn a very, very conservative approach to underwriting and acquisitions as well as just formulating your business plan, which is all part of underwriting. And we were buying from and competing with other very, very large institutions like Blackstone or Equity Residential. So we knew those guys very well. And we were buying these properties the exact same way that they were buying their properties. So it was a great learning environment for me because I wasn't pigeonholed into one little role or aspect of the process like I probably would have been. If I was at those big groups, because we were a small group, we all wore lots of hats and did lots of things because we didn't have a lot of people to count on. And when you do that, you learn a lot real quick. So I was on the acquisition side for three and a half years, and then I was on the asset management side for three and a half years. And that was a cool diversity to my learning and experience because first three and a half is kind of the assumptions about how you're going to create value on this investment and what this property is worth what you're going to do with it. And then the next three and a half years of my career was actually implementing, overseeing the execution of those assumptions and business plans. And it was cool to kind of get a more of a real world experience with that as opposed to, okay, this, these assumptions, generally speaking, might have been aggressive. And in the reality of the situation, might not want to make those same assumptions moving forward. So it was a long three years or so of that. And I really like both of those viewpoints on acquisitions and multifamily investment, I should say. So anyway, ever since day one, the plan was to start a company all my own. I didn't want to just work for a group. And thank goodness, Joe, we crossed paths in some way, but we did. And this partnership has been the most rewarding part of my career and looking forward to many more years doing lots more deals with you. Me too, my friend. And within those three and a half years of asset management, plus the time that we've partnered on our deals and with our company, you've come across issues with Mother Nature and with things burning down. Recently, we came across a building of ours in Houston that burned down as a result of a resident leaving a candle unattended. Fortunately, no one was injured most important, no one's injured. How do we approach this as real estate investors when something like that happens as it relates to the financials? Should we rebuild it 
or should we take the money from the insurance and just not rebuild? Yep. Great question. And feel free to interrupt along the way and ask questions as I go. I'll, I'll try my best to explain. As you said, the first thing you want to do is make sure everyone's okay. So before you even get to the financials, call the police, call the fire department, call 911. Don't worry about your investment over the safety of your residents. So get that done right away. And that is also obviously part of the process. Uh, you need a police report. That is what the insurance groups are going to require. It's going to help them to build out their costs. And I'll get to what should we do. Should we rebuild it? Should we just keep any insurance proceeds we might get? But in order to get there, some of the first things you need to do after making sure everyone's okay is you need to get an assessment of what damage has actually happened and what it might cost to rebuild this property. And that's going to be up to an insurance adjuster. The problem might be that your insurance group wants to provide you as little as possible and say that the damages, however great, be as minimal as possible. So you have a right to hire your own third-party insurance adjuster as well, which is exactly what we did in this case. And it's extremely common. It's just part of the process. But your insurance adjuster, who you're going to pay out of your own pocket, which hopefully that cost will be offset by an increase in insurance premiums, is going to work with the insurance companies, the insurance adjuster. And the two of them are going to go back and forth on assessing the total damage, the, the quality, state, and condition of the property before it. And then they're going to get to two values. This is going to take a lot of experts. They're going to get a lot of other contractors to help them out with bids along the way. But they're going to come up with two different values. And one value is going to be what was the existing value of whatever was damaged before this incident took place. So what was the value? Don't worry about replacing it. Just what was this property worth if it were to sell tomorrow on the market? So that's going to be one price. Then they're going to also say, okay, that was the value if it were to sell. That was the fair market value of it. But now what's the value to rebuild it? And those two prices are going to be substantially off from one another, and they will get farther and farther removed the older and the older that your asset is because the value might have depreciated greatly, but still the cost to rebuild is much higher than the cost to build when your asset was first constructed. So you're going to have what's probably going to be a much, much larger amount, often double, to replace the building because not only have construction costs gone up, but you're going to have to build to a completely different code and standard than what that asset was originally built to. So it's not as easy as, okay, just build it exactly as it was. Well, now the city's going to make you, uh, maybe you didn't have proper ventilation. Maybe the outlets were 12 inches from the ground. They have to be 18 inches from the ground. Little things like that along the way wind up costing a lot more when you have to rebuild it. So some groups might look at this and say, okay, well, great. Let's take the insurance money and, and run. We'll pocket that and go. Well, as I said, you're going to get to a fair market value. And possibly that is the way to go, just based on returns. Maybe just the value of what you lost will be enough or even more 
to get your investors back their returns. And often that might be the case if the damage that happened is much, much farther down the road in your own investment than if it were to be closer to when you bought it. Because in our case, fire took off about seven units. Well, we're still hopefully going to have five more years of income generation from those units. So if this fire were to have happened right before we were selling, it might make a lot of sense just to keep that value that the insurance group would offer you, just to keep those insurance proceeds, pay back your investors. They've already received hopefully a great return on that property and then sell it to the next owner with seven units less than what you had. It might financially make a lot of sense to do that. And then on the other hand, if it was in the beginning, as I said, you know, that's a lot of value that you're hopefully going to realize. And just keeping those insurance proceeds based on the value in the beginning would mean your investors might get a much lower return than if you were to rebuild right now. So it's never absolute and definitive either way. Obviously, you've got to do your own underwriting and assessment. But that's generally speaking what a lot of owners are going to get to. If this happened early on, you're going to rebuild. It's going to make more sense. Your investors are going to make more money. If it happened way, way down the road, you might want to just keep the money. One more thing I'll say about all this is that it's not just about a sheer sort of, hey, is this income going to be greater than it would be if I were to rebuild or not? But it also has to do with allowing your next buyer or even yourself to get a new loan or refinance on this property. Because there absolutely are going to be lenders that are going to say, well, yeah, you didn't rebuild, you kept value of this from your insurance proceeds, but why would I give you a loan when you have a, a building and a half uh, that are <laughs> practically burnt to the ground? An eyesore might not be safe, so that might just be another reason why it might make sense, even if you're determining that your investors aren't going to get any more money by rebuilding, it might also be wise to rebuild anyway. So anyway, maybe a long answer to it. And, that's uh, great. Yeah. Probably a lot more we can talk about. But. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Hypothetically, if you're at the end and you decide to return the proceeds from the insurance company back to yourself or your investors, depending on if you have investors or not, because some best ever listeners might not raise money. They might just come across this on their own and they just might return the proceeds themselves. Knowing what you just said about the new buyer and there being an eyesore, have you seen anyone return or keep that money, but then ration off a little bit of it and invest in like make that a, a playground or something so it's not an eyesore? That's actually what happens 90% of the time. So it's a great question, Joe. I haven't seen a playground, but I've certainly seen parking lots that used to be buildings and just areas where they just flatten it out, maybe make it into an area of their dumpsters, things like that. So you would take some of that money and then you would make it less of an eyesore, patch up whatever you needed to kind of make it look like it never was there to begin with. So yeah, you absolutely see that a lot. Also wanted to say one more thing about the rebuild option. Unlike just taking the proceeds from insurance or the value of it, insurance companies will rightfully so not let you keep any more than the actual cost to rebuild. They're going to give you two values in the beginning, like I said. One is, here's the check we're going to give you 
for the value of what you lost. Keep it right now if you want. The other is, here's probably what it's going to take to rebuild, and we'll pay you all of this. And by the way, in both cases, it's minus your deductible, so don't forget about that. But anyway, here's the estimated cost to rebuild, and here's what we're assuming it's going to cost you. And you say, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to go down that path and rebuild. Well, then as you do that, it works exactly the same way as a construction loan might work where you're drawing down on the proceeds as you rebuild. So it's not like they say, hey, we're going to give you double to rebuild it, and then you're further incentivized to say, oh, well, heck, maybe I can hire a really great cheap contractor to rebuild this at half of what I'm going to get, so I get a brand new property, plus I get the difference. It's fantastic. That's not how it works. That's theft. So they'll work with you to collect your invoices along the way and then pay your contractors back along the way. But if you do do it at much, much less the cost than what they're estimating, then they will not give you that delta there. So you can't make an additional profit off a loss due to fire or damage. Yes, very important distinction and note to mention there. Thank you for that. Going back to the beginning, when you find out that there is a fire, if you have a property management company, what is their role versus what is your role? So your property management company is going to be there to help facilitate the process. Other than that, I mean, they don't have much of a role. Hopefully, if you're just strictly the owner and they're not a partner with you, they're going to help you carry out your business plan as you have written it or as it has changed. And the decision to rebuild or keep the money is going to be up to you as an owner and it's their responsibility to help you with that. So when the fire happens, they're going to be the first boots on the ground calling the police, I mean, making sure everyone's safe, going through all of that. As the insurance adjusters and your adjusters come in, they're going to be helping to show them around where the damage was. They'll be helping them with any questions they might have as they're determining what the value was before all this damage happened. So it's more of just, they're going to help to facilitate the process. And then we're only talking about material damage. You're going to have income loss as well. So they're going to help out with, well, your X amount of units are now going to be down for the next six or seven months or whatever it's going to take you to rebuild. So they're also going to help there with well, here's our average occupancy at this property. Here's exactly what the leases we had in hand before this damage happened. These six or seven people that were living here, the, the income that we're going to make, now we had to displace them and put them somewhere else. So they're going to help with the estimate for the income loss that you're going to have as well. Just to close the loop on our property in Houston when we had the seven units burned down, where did we net out with that? You want to let the listeners know? What was our decision? On yeah. That? Yep. Yeah, sure. So we bought the property in March of 2016, and this fire happened in the summer of 2016. So this is one of those cases where it was early on. So it was pretty much always the case that, yes, we were just going to rebuild. And it's not a good thing when your property has a fire. We'd rather it didn't happen. It certainly damages the reputation of the property at that time and doesn't help you lease when before you tear it down, there is a big eyesore there for the summer. However, hopefully we are going to get through that. Insurance will help to pay us back for the cost to rebuild and our 
income loss, and then we're going to be left with uh, seven new units. So hopefully we will net out okay. And so right now we are in the process of our construction arm rebuilding those units right now, and we should be done early 2017 with that. Is there anything else you want to mention as it relates to deciding if you should rebuild or take the money and not rebuild that we haven't talked about? No, other than just to warn people that whenever there's a large loss and you're going to get insurance proceeds, you might be excited and looking for the upside in this situation, but there's not a substantial upside almost ever. So what's generally best to do is to have your damage, your property rebuilt to the state of what it was before and continue on with the business plan that you had in place. So don't look at it as an opportunity so much, but just be thankful that you were smart enough to get insurance so that you can get your property back into the condition that it was before all this happened. So put down your matchbook, best ever listener. We see you thinking about striking that match. Don't strike the match. <laughs> That's basically what you're saying. Don't strike the match. You might get a newer building, but the net net should be zero, plus the time and everything else that's involved in the process. So thanks, Frank, for being on the show. Where can the best ever listeners get in contact with you? If anyone wants to reach out, please go to our website, ashcroftcapital.com. We have a contact uh, portal on that site. Feel free to reach out with any questions you might have, and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. Awesome. Well, this clearly answered the question that we were seeking an answer for. And as you mentioned, it's not only the income difference, which is incredibly important, but then also the business plan that you have with the property where you're at in the life cycle of that business plan. At the beginning, you will probably want to rebuild. Towards the end, you might not want to. But as you said, you also need to think about the new buyer and make sure that the burnt hole in the ground is not an eyesore. We could put a parking lot there or a playground or who knows, whatever other things come to mind. Just a couple things to consider, but they're important decisions to make and it all ties back to your business plan and where you are in the life cycle of that. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Empire Industries, a national award-winning company and the fastest growing property management company in Houston would like to offer you, best ever listener, a 30-day love us or leave us guarantee. Contact Empire Industries at 888-866-6727 for more info. That's 888-866-6727.